episode 142, Charity Work and Franchise Dentistry. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we are Dr. Brady Smith's perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dentist Podcast. You can get yourself a reference list to all four dentists on this series at doctorsperspective.net slash dentist with an S. It's ready for you now. Over 75% through and thought you should know. If you got some itchy skin, eczema, things like that, I found a secret Chinese formula that you can download and see if it helps you. It's at doctorsperspective.net slash skin. And uh, it's based on herbs but since you know most people don't have herbs there's actually essential oils that you can use instead so let me know what you think second if you go to as seen on so net slash as seen on i've been interviewed by a few different places recently i was on the podcast insider which is todd cochran's the ceo of blueberry which is what i used to host my stuff it's probably the top two either lipson or blueberry anyway i got on his show so i was really excited about that I was interviewed about my author journey on Get Published. That's out September 24th, 2019. Short five questions. Uh, Talk about the marketing, favorite book, favorite quote, things like that. And by the time you listen to this, Owning Her Health, it's a female podcast that I was actually invited on. uh, Very few males. And we're talking about marketing, coaching, uh, a little bit about the book, marketing that as well. You know, it's kind of a... So her audience are mostly females trying to find their voice. And so just trying to help them say, hey, yeah, you can publish a book. You can market. You can appeal to your ideal market and coach and things like that. So excited about that one. Lastly, Cheryl's Podcouch. We'll be talking about family dynamics in China versus, say, America. Uh, she's a PhD. She wrote a book called Mommy Burnout. And she's always on the local TV stations in Denver discussing child rearing and what the science says and all that. So really pumped to be on her show. Uh, and again, a doctorsperspective.net slash as heard on, and you'll be able to see those as they are released. So today's episode, Dr. Brady Smith, he claims I work at the only true franchise dentist that you can imagine. Okay. Uh, he's actually got really good humor, real funny guy. Uh, we do talk about comfort dental. Why does he say that it's the only pure franchise? Like for real. Talking about being a partner versus associate. He's not really sure why people go on their own when they have companies like this that allow you to do so much more, have more time off, et cetera, make more money as well. So one thing he said was like, look, if you got a bucket full of money, do you really need a second bucket full of money or can you start giving back? And so this is what he found himself thinking, feeling like, man, I'm not being fulfilled. I'm burning out. Like, what do I do? And uh, his podcast called drilledpod.com. You'll see the dental chair uh, logo. Uh, You know, he gives away $500 with a mouth restoration, full restorations for certain people. And he's looking for people to join him in that mission. Uh, Not only that, but it was surprising, you know, the the backlash is positive goodwill to your community and referrals and everything else. So we dive into that a good bit as on the show today. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's a different viewpoint that we really haven't covered that much as a doctor uh, giving back to the community and uh, franchise stuff. So I'm happy to have him on. Hope you enjoy it. You can even catch him live. Listen to the interview to understand what that means. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 142. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in Vancouver, Washington. Today on the podcast, we're going to continue the dental series. We have a uh, special guest. 
He has his own podcast called Drilled Podcast. When you search it on that, he'll give the website later. But be careful. There's lots of drilled type podcasts out there. I was kind of surprised. But uh, there are two, yeah, yeah, true crime stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a, a environmental conspiracy theory uh, podcast. Uh, it's not as good as mine, obviously. I mean, so. You know, <laughs> but mine has a dental chair logo. It's 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 uh, it's impossible to miss. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a good logo. They, he did a good job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's see what else we got here. He. It's actually pretty funny based on the, his bio. He was talking about, I'm a Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, but I've only got one wife. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Yeah, that was really funny the way he said it. He's in yeah. a cover band, which we'll definitely talk about. He was okay. a wow man back in the day. Maybe still a wow fan. I don't know. And um, it's, a deep, it's a deep rabbit hole. It took me a long time to get out of that. But uh, um, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And he's actually an owner of a true franchise called Comfort Dental. So lots of things that we're going to talk about today. Dr. Brady Smith, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I'm happy to be here, man. Oh, this man. Cool. So, okay. I don't even want to go with the why'd you become a dentist question. That's usually how we start these things. But today, let's just jump into um, why'd you start a podcast? And there's a special mission behind that podcast. So I think let's start with that before we go into the, the franchise thing. Does that sound cool? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the thing I'm most passionate about. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. So um, I would say I'm 10 years into my dental career. I, I graduated University of Pacific in 2009. And uh, I've been with Comfort Dental uh, ever since. So I only know what I know. But I, I would tell you about five years into my career, I legitimately didn't like being a dentist. Oof. And, that, and that's a problem. There's a lot of debt. <laughs> what do I do right. now? That is not a career where most people would say it's okay to do a, a 180 and just switch paths. Mm -mm. It's very, very difficult to do. So I kind of didn't know what to do. And I was reading some books and, and, and kind of trying to get some guru advice. And I just noticed that uh, I never did anything charitable. I never, but I was, I was honing my skills. I wasn't very good. I, I mean, I wasn't as good as I am now. So, uh, you know, those first couple of years, you're still honing your skills. You come out of dental school. Understandable. Not very skilled cl clinically. So I, what happened is that what kind of changed my perspective about my career was finding people to do free work for. And the first big one that I ever did was about five years ago. And it was a young lady who worked at the Wendy's drive through And I went to Wendy's probably three times a week, a little more than I should. Uh, <laughs> so I recognized her and she recognized me because I was there so much. And she had very visible dental problems. You could look at her and see it. It's very clear. Uh, and people who have those issues get a lot of judgment from other people. So it's a big, just a blow to yourself self-esteem and confidence. Gave her my card. I said, come by my office. I will take care of your dental problems. And I promise you, you will never pay a dollar. And so she came in and that's what we did. And that uh, I noticed almost immediately how much I wanted to go to work, how much I wanted to be there, especially for her visits. That was the most rewarding thing for me. And so, of course, because I felt so personally fulfilled by it, I started doing that more. Um, and uh, more and more. And just every now and then, every couple of months, I'd find somebody, whether in my practice or outside my practice, and I would give them that spiel. Here's my card, come to my dental office. I will help you out, whatever you need. 
I promise you, you won't, you won't pay a buck. You won't pay any money. This is going to be on me. Uh, and so uh, that went on. And then uh, what it kind of evolved into is that I could, uh, I started getting a lot of requests more than I could handle. Uh, people found out that I was doing free stuff. And of course, <laughs> a lot of people want to be recipients of that more than I can possibly give away. So with the podcast that I do called Drilled, I do interviews with different people. I kind of have a, a, a love for comedy, especially stand-up comedy. And uh, uh, I'm not good at it. I've tried it a few times at some open mics, and I'm Those not very tough. good. It's real, it's real <laughs> tough. But I've always been conversationally uh, funny, so it's different to get up on stage. So I have a lot of comedians that come in from time to time that I, that I know and, and have known over the years and have contact with. Uh, so I have them on and then other professionals in the dental field. We talk about dental things, and it's really good to get a non-dentist perspective. So we do that on Drilled. But more than anything, about every six months, I open it up to a nomination process where I offer a full mouth rehabilitation to anybody. The only rule is you can't nominate yourself. So we just closed nominations. But even right now, I'm sitting on about 12 to 15 nominations, and I'm only one person. I'm very fortunate that I've got two other dentists who have volunteered locally to help me out. So instead of taking just one nomination, we're going to be able to take three. That's good. And that's the ultimate That's the ultimate goal of Drilled, is to multiply that by a factor of however many we need. Ideally, I'd be turning away dentists who want to help uh, and not turning away people. Uh, that, right. That's going to be my, my that's, that's our mission, that's our goal, is that however many nominations we get from wherever we get them um, around the United States, that we try to help them out. And so that's why we've turned Drilled into a nonprofit organization called the Drilled Podcast Network, which is focusing on networking that connection between the people who need the dental work and the dentists who want to provide that, who are seeking that fulfillment. And we're getting uh, negotiations with dental supply companies. Yeah. So I've got like an implant company that's already volunteered to give us all the dental implants we might need for free. So we're, we're getting a lot of positive traction to make this possible so that, you know, if dentists don't want to participate because it's too expensive, I can't pay for all those implants. By me. Well, we're going to remove that obstacle, hopefully removing all obstacles and make it possible for anybody who wants to do this to do it and make it easy. You know, if you're on your own, you might have to pay for things out of pocket. I certainly did when I first started doing it. But with Drilled Podcast Network, we hope to remove some of those obstacles and make it easy make a network where people can do this, provide this kind of service and provide their time and do it at very little financial burden to themselves. Well, and that's the thing too, is if someone's listening to my show and they're like, wow, I haven't heard about his, his podcast yet. I and mean, obviously your, your listeners will grow. And then the dentists across the nation are like, yeah, I want to, I want to tap into that. How do we do it? If you're listening to this, you don't have to go full on implants and where you're spending, you know, lots and lots of money on your own. You can just fill a tooth or something. Like you might see some things that you can fix for maybe a hundred bucks out of your pocket or whatever it is that you guys yeah. And that's the biggest message is that even if you can't do a full mouth rehabilitation case, I mean, the whole part about giving what you can give is you don't have to be a billionaire to give away, to give yeah. something worthwhile. Everyone's got skills. Everyone's got something they can do. And there's a need where that's going to match up just perfectly. So our biggest encouragement to people is to start doing that. And that's, that's contagious. When you give away what you give away, you are, that is, that is spreading. It spreads around and makes more people want to be kind and give and offer their service, whatever they might be able to do. Not everyone is a millionaire, but you certainly don't have to be to give something away. Uh, every podcast episode that I do on Drilled also gives away $500 of free dental work to a listener. So every wow. single episode, 500 bones on the table. And uh, I have a secret word 
So halfway through the episode, I'll say a secret word like enamel or uh, bacterial infection or something that forces people to listen and they tune in and, and we allow people to use that themselves or gift it, gift the $500 to someone who might need it. So that's been really fun to just kind of help out locally and, and, and do that every, every episode. Uh, it's a weekly episode every Friday morning that comes out. We have a new episode with a new secret word with a new 500 bucks to give away to a, to a listener. That's wild. You know, as, as a chiropractor, sometimes the way to get new patients, if you're at an event or something, we say, hey, you, you know, you do an exam, we'll do a discount, 25 bucks, 30 bucks, something ridiculous. But then we donate it to some charity that's popular in the area. Yeah. And that was the key, local charity, not Red Cross. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that was a big thing. But sometimes I'm like, well, I kind of want the exam. <laughs> so, but every now and then you'll get a, I'll get a patient and I'm like, man. You got headaches. I can take care of that. You know, you can obviously tell they're in a lot of pain. They don't really have the finances. And what I, I think it comes back to you. It's, it's weird. You know, even like in a, in a religious setting, you, know, you give to the church or you give to something and then all of a sudden it multiplies on the back end. And you're like, how did that happen? I don't know. But it's kind of like that in business as well. You help this one person and then the, the news spreads that you, you're, you're that kind of person and you, now you get more paying customers to begin with. So, so I'll tell you a story that goes right along with that. That's quite intriguing and fascinating to me and i didn't expect this to happen but if you look at my instagram drilled podcast there's a igtv video of a woman named bobby she was the first recipient of our drilled podcast full mouth makeover about a three minute video but bobby came in in just severe needs i mean jet she her daughter nominated her and shared with us that she was not going out with friends anymore not not even having friends come over. She was so embarrassed by the way she looked. She had no money. She couldn't. She was getting quoted thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars to fix her mouth. It's just an impossible obstacle for a lot of people. For many, many people. That's a lot of money. It's tons of money, right? And for most people, there's going to be like, well, then I'm. This is my life. But Bobby came in, and after I saw Bobby, you know, we've been working on her for a while. Her her whole mouth makeover took months to complete because of the implants that needed to be done. But to date, and I started keeping track because I got so many referrals from her. Uh, to date, we have between seven and $8,000 of business that we've done just from people that she's referred to us. See? So, friend, you know, she gets that kind of treatment and she goes to her church. She goes to her neighbors. She's going out again. She's calling these friends that she hasn't hung out with for so long. She's inviting people over to her house. And what's the change? Well, the change is this dentist did all this work for me. Oh, what's his name? And then they come and then, so it's really hard to, uh, I kind of told you this earlier, it's kind of hard to look at this as a, as completely selfless. I mean, it's definitely the reason, it's definitely personally fulfilling for me, but that's just the way kindness works. People gravitate, people uh, are magnetized towards kind people. If you know someone who's kind, well, that's a person you probably want to hang out with. That's a person that you want to associate with. Uh, and in business, especially with dentistry and maybe chiropractics, you get some of this too, but a lot of people think you're scamming them. A lot of people think that you're out there to get money. And so to break that barrier down and you immediately have this trust. And why do you have the trust? Because you've done something incredibly charitable where it's impossible to confuse with someone who's just money grubbing or, you know, just greedy. It's the exact opposite of that. And so now you have this basis of trust and these people are going to trust you to take care of their health in whatever capacity you're doing it. Speaking of the trust part, you hear stories, at least I hear stories. I had to get a root canal. And then later on, you find out like, you know, you could have just got a crown. What? Or, you know, there's always like that, that deeper procedure, the more expensive procedure. And I don't know if that's just, you know, you got the bad apples in, in your profession, just like we do. 
Or if it's like, hey, you just didn't educate that patient. They maybe said, look, I'm looking at you and I know you can't afford this. So I'm just going to give you this option mm. and not the best option. What do you think? Yeah, that that's always a tough thing to uh, first. Let me address um, not in every situation where someone's told they need a root canal is a crown going to suffice. It's certainly possible that someone was aggressive in their diagnosing with your situation, but obviously it's impossible for me to know that. Right, right. But there are situations where you need a root canal and a crown wouldn't do the job. So, but then your second point of how do you present treatment? Do you present it based on the way someone looks? Do you present it based on their insurance that they have? Is Ooh. it crappy? So you're going to give them crappier option. Maybe their coverage isn't so great. And so you need to maybe alter your treatment plan to a certain. I think let them decide if they're going to just abide by the insurance or spend some money out of pocket. Yeah. There's a lot of cars that I can't afford, even as a dentist. I like to look at them. I like to know about them. I like to see what's out there. Yeah. I'm never going to spend $275,000 on, on a Lamborghini, but I like to know about that, right? <laughs> uh, just in case I ever do, right? And it's probably never going to happen. So yeah, I approach my patients the same way. It's it's uh, here's what I think is best and it's most expensive. If you can't afford that, we have to go to something else. Uh, and so I think that's a pretty straightforward. I like to think most dentists kind of approach things that way. But I like the idea of also having, I deal with a lot of people in a lower socioeconomic demographic. And I l like to be able to present things that are good solutions that they may not choose if they had just won the lottery, but they're good solutions that'll keep them healthy and pain free and infection free. But it might not be the Rolls Royce of dental options, mm -hmm. but it's something that fits their budget and solves their problem. And that's what the dentist, I mean, that's what a dentist has to do. A dentist has to be a problem solver and finances are one of the biggest problems and obstacles to, to treatment acceptance. Do y'all do payment plans? Is that a common care credit or something else? Yeah, I do. Uh, there's obviously third party financing companies that make it kind of easy, but even if someone can't afford or can't apply or can't uh, be approved for that. I do usually like a 50% down payment and then over a few months. But yeah, we offer payment plans. I think okay. it's important. In the comfort dental model, is that frowned upon or you're doing pretty much what they recommend when you letting people spread out their payment? Because they say, you know, the longer it takes, the less likely you'll get paid. Yeah, the model is more of a collections up front that you, that you um, if someone needs $1,000 of dental work, let's do five visits of $200 a piece. I'll complete your treatment. It's a very different, it's a very unique way of approaching it. It's not a per item thing. It's mm. uh, you have $1,000 of dental work. You can afford $200 a month. So let's schedule from now for the next five months, let's schedule five visits. Every time you come in, you just pay me 200 bucks. I think that's ingenious. And I do that a lot as well, where we just split the treatment up that way. Now we front load that with the less expensive options and we don't do the more expensive options until we get to the end of that five months. That kind of protects us. So that's another alternative to, to, to your more traditional payment arrangements. And Dennis would know what you're talking about as far as, yeah, you know, I'm looking at them like, well, I thought, you know, one thing could cost $1,200 up, you know, this procedure is $1,200. That usually means one tooth. But I guess there's a lot, you know, if somebody has a lot of things going on, they might need eight cavities. So you're like, all right, let's get the bad cavities first. That's 200. And then next month, they're yeah. not so bad. We can just filter them in. And then you're never stuck holding the bill either. Like if they don't come back. Yeah. But, you know, the, the comfort dental model allows the dentist to do what they feel comfortable with. So if I feel comfortable putting someone on a payment plan, getting their credit card information, just billing that every month, you know, I can do that. Uh, that puts me at risk. Just, in, you know, they cancel their credit card and I, now I don't have, now I'm not getting paid for the treatment that I did. And that sucks. 
everyone deals with that. You're going to have some bad fish for sure. But, you know, we want to be known for increasing access to care, not not the opposite. So a lot of dental offices, people come out of a lot of dental offices feeling that that access to care has been denied to them for whatever reason. It might be financial or whatever it might be, but they feel like access to care is limited. The most common thing I hear when someone has told me they haven't been to a dentist in 10 years is I didn't have dental insurance. I lost my dental insurance, so I just didn't go. But dentists are all fee for service. But people are but people believe that their access to care has been denied. But they and they think that if I pay out of pocket, I'm going to pay millions of dollars. You can pay a hundred at least for a cleaning, but yeah. But they got so many Tom, Dick, and Harrys giving away the treatment for cheap. You could at least go and like if you just need a cleaning, you can find someone to do it for on the cheap. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. That, that's huh. something that's quite quite mysterious. I'm sure it's probably mysterious with chiropractics as well, is that n- people don't really know what they're in for. Uh, yeah. Well, chiropractors are probably most uh, chiropractors is mostly fee for service, right? No, we're all covered. A lot of people do insurance, like fully covered, and it's kind of the same way with you guys. There's a branch of docs that are trying to go fee for service, or you know, we call it cash practice. We're trying to get more cash practice because you're not getting reimbursed like you used to. You're getting limited to what you can actually do long term you know you needed eight visits yeah. and that three visits they're like cutting you off and give me all your reasons and all your notes and you can beg me and you're like it's in their chart like they're covered they're paying for eight visits a year and you're like stop on them at three and so some docs are like i'm done with this yeah let's just go cash yeah and with high deductibles too so yeah i don't have a problem with insurance companies and uh, what their reimbursement rates are but again i'm a kind of person who thinks i'm just happy to get be getting paid at all you know, I think dentists are very fortunate in their in their ability. Their ability to do work and the hourly rate that we get is sometimes ridiculous. Um, <laughs> a little too ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. So it all evens out. So I have I have insurances that reimburse me terrible, terrible reimbursements. But I like the people that I work on, and I believe that 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 they they need more options, and I want to be that option for them. I make more money when I stop accepting their insurance. That's true. But that stopped being a problem for me a long time ago. Uh, it's never been about the money. It's always been about my personal fulfillment. And it turns out money's not everything, right? Yeah. So you got to be able to enjoy what you do and enjoy what you're, you know, the, the, the people you do it for to some extent. Yeah. So let's talk about a quick Comfort Dental. You said it's the only true franchise. So what exactly does that mean compared to all the other ones out there? Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll put a little... Uh, caveat is that it's the only true dental franchise to my knowledge. I don't know of any others. Most dental franchises, so people call them DSOs, they call it, it's a, a corporate corporate dentistry is the big umbrella that people put. And definitely I'm part of a corporation and Comfort Dental is a corporation, but they sell franchises and these franchises are individually owned and operated. So uh, I like to compare it to like a Taco Bell or a, or a Subway sandwich. It's that you have, there are some relationships I have as far as like marketing with the corporate group. Uh, we have approved vendors that I buy through. So I buy all my stuff through approved vendors. We get discounts for doing that because we're such a large group. Um, but I, I can't venture out. I don't have complete autonomy. I can't buy whatever I want. I have to stay within the parameters set. Um, but there also are avenues by which I can get other vendors approved. If I find something I want, I can talk to them and say, can we approve this as a vendor? And they will usually likely do that. There's a process by which that happens. So it's not 100% autonomy. And I think that's what most dentists don't like about any corporate 
arrangement. The other main thing that people don't like, and I agree with this 100%, is nobody likes the idea of a non-dentist dictating treatment in any way. And I am 100% on board with that. Any situation where a non-dentist is dictating treatment or setting quotas or telling a dentist, you need to do more perio. You need to do, you need to diagnose more of these procedures. That becomes um, questionable. Yeah. That's an understatement, right? And that's where they get the bad rap from other dentists. They're like, yeah, I worked here for two years when I got out of school. And as soon as I can get out, I got out. Yeah. And, and, and there are organizations that exist that do that, where the hierarchy is usually an office manager and the dentists are all employees and the office manager kind of runs the show. And that's a situation where most dentists are going to say, no, that's a terrible situation for the dentist. It's a terrible situation for the patients. It incentivizes overdiagnosis of problems. Well, you got a quota. If I don't meet that quota, then I can lose my job. So I got to find some more of these cases like that's. Yeah, that's yeah. not great. Now, as far as quota, you know, another word for quota could be a goal. So I have goals. I have I have quotas that I want to make or meet. I have a monthly goal. I have a daily goal, but I dictate that. And I and I someone comes in my office and I don't feel pressure from anyone above me saying you need to do more fillings, right? I don't feel that pressure at all. It's whatever walks in the door walks in the door and I but I do have, you know, yeah. goals that I I mean, every dentist has goals that they want to hit. And and so they set those goals. It's just when those goals are being made, when those goals are being set by a non-dentist, and then the dentist has to try to meet those goals, it just incentivizes an environment that uh, encourages overdiagnosis or incorrect diagnosis. So those are the, those those are the, I, I don't call them franchises because they're not employee they're not their employee dentists. And, and so I don't feel, feel like it's the same thing. Comfort Dental, when I buy in, I run the show. They don't tell me how to diagnose. They don't ever email me and say, hey, look at your numbers and you're not doing enough perio diagnosis. They are there for a marketing support, consulting, you know, business model type stuff, yeah, managerial type of stuff, helping out with that, but never clinical, never. And, that, and so when I say true dental franchise, it's a franchise where I use their name and I get certain advantages for doing that, uh, but I own and operate the franchise myself. Do you have any uh, tips on staff? You know, it seems a, a happy patient, regardless of, you know, your teeth are good. We did a good job there. But if you got rude staff or just there's a bad flow in the office, you still get bad reviews and then you don't get the referrals. Yeah. What have you learned over the last 10 years that makes a, a quality staff or good patient retention and, and a good patient experience? Yeah, staff is everything. I mean, staff is as important as the doctor because there are reviews that you can read from time to time that say, doctor was great, but the staff was terrible. Never going back. One star. And it's just like a, it's a, it's a, it's a kick in the nether regions because... Could you tell me who exactly it was that you did not like? <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, everybody has their bad day. And that's a patient. Patients have the bad day and my staff has bad days and I have bad days. Uh, but staff needs to be crushing it, crushing it. And in fact... Staff needs to be crushing it more than I need to be crushing it because staff, I think people are more inclined to stay in a dental practice if the staff is friendly and the dentist is like, hmm, whatever. As long as the dentist is like cordial, civil, and competent, I don't need to be a a super dynamic personality. But the staff kind of does because that's that's their first barrier to entry is the phone call. And then when they, I mean, they've, 
they've seen two or three people before they ever see me. And sometimes you just come in and look real quick. You're like, I don't even know who my doctor was. I barely got to see him. I, I, but the person who cleaned my teeth, she was mm-hmm. very pleasant or he was pleasant. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't, don't, don't hog the majority of chair time. So they have, yeah. So as far as hiring with dentistry, it's, it's hit and miss, I think. It's, not, it's hard to do an interview and know exactly what you're going to get with the staff in an interview. It's really easy for people to tell you what they know you want to hear. So I put everybody on a 90-day trial. 90 days, you're, and then and then the actual employment. So I guess, you know, in 90 days, they're considered like a temp employee. They don't get benefits. They don't get anything until 90 days rolls around. And 90 days gives me enough time to kind of look at that, address the situation, evaluate it. I have a business partner that I work with, and so she puts her input in as well, and we together decide if we're going to go forward. I right now have a team that's my best team I've ever had. And I've worked in three different – I started uh, three different offices, had lots of different employees, had over – 50 or 60 employees in my 10 years and different crews and, uh, you know, spread, uh, spread across different crews. But this crew I got right now is uh, just killing it. And my numbers reflect that I'm, I'm the same guy I've always been, but now I got this crew that just hits on all cylinders and my numbers, we just set a record month in July, in July, which is a full month for, for dental offices. Summertime is in our, summertimes aren't our big months. But July, we just had a record. We've we've never collected more money than we did last month. So I think staff has. I mean, staff is so important. It's as important as you are. Well, they get you scheduled. They get you rescheduled. They gotta collect the copays up front or whatever it is that they're doing. And then when you're doing like a dental hygienist, do you focus more on their skills versus their personality? Is there a balance? Is there any way to evaluate that ahead of time? So one thing that's unique about me. This is gonna this is gonna derail your line of questioning. So I'm sorry ahead of time. I don't hire hygienists. I've never hired a hygienist. Ten years of working, I don't use hygienists. I do my own hygiene. I use dental assistants for what they're capable of doing. Dental assistants can do. And what do they do? Uh, prophylaxis cleanings. Uh, so just simple polishings. Dental assistants can do that. Any it's called subgingival calculus removal has to be done by a dentist or a hygienist. That's when they scrape or use the the sonic. Yep. Uh huh. The big ultrasonic scaler or scraper. So that's incredibly controversial to dentists. You're the second dentist I've ever known. Like I went to a dentist that was cleaning my teeth, and I was like, "What? what what's going on? <laughs> Where's your helper?" Sure. <laughs> sure. Every now and get, every now and then, I get a patient who com- who I wouldn't say complains, but mentions mentions you do the cleanings. Yeah. And I say, yeah, I do. I do. So I do portions of the cleaning. I still share. Once I finish what I need to do, removal of the subgingival calculus, I can hand it over to my dental assistant who, and this is just a money issue. It's a, it's a hygienists are 45 to $60 an hour. And in some like metropolitan areas, they are getting more than that. So it's incredibly expensive. And I think it contributes to the high cost of dentistry. So I have two practices that I operate that both operate around 50% overhead, which is superb yeah. for most dentists. Most, most dentists are operating between 60 and 80% overhead, some even higher. Wow. So it doesn't do you much good to crank out a lot of dental work if you're paying that all out to other people. So this is all about keeping overhead low and keeping patients happy. And I, You can see less patients now. Uh, yeah, there's lots of advantages to trying to keep your overhead low. I don't have to work as hard to get paid as much. So... That's a super big advantage. You know, if you have, if you can generate $100,000 in a month, but your overhead is 85%, that's not as good as someone who can generate 50 
$1,000 in a month, but my overhead is 50%. Now I make more money. I, I did way less work. Overhead is the number one, in my opinion, number overhead is the number one most important stat that a dentist can, that can tell me more about your practice because it doesn't matter how much you produce. It doesn't matter how much you collect. It doesn't matter how many operatories you have. It doesn't matter how many employees you have. It matters what's your overhead. How much money does it cost you to operate? Because if you're going to have three hygienists, you got to keep them filled. That means you're going to spend a lot more money on advertising and a lot more money probably on some staff person like, hey, you got to get these people rescheduled in six months. And I mean, that's good you know, health anyway. Yeah. But there's definitely a much more of a pressure like, hey, we got to we got to get you covered. Yeah. And I'm not against hygiene. I'm not against having hygienists as, as employees. Uh, right. I think um, it's not like I, I, I propose that all dentists should stop hiring hygienists. <laughs> Just for our model, what we do, overhead is key. Overhead is the reason why Comfort Dental is as successful. It's the reason why we can get new graduates with very little experience, give them strong mentors uh, as, as partners, and have them making money that pays for their bills on day one when they graduate dental school. And that's a problem. So this is a Comfort Dental thing. Yeah. This, so it's not just you. This is what, no, yeah. No, th- no, it's not me. It's, com- it's the model that I operate under oh so so if i go to any comfort dental i should expect the dentist to do the the cleanings as well most yeah we it's not forbidden to hire hygienists it's just strongly encouraged to keep your overhead low and that's a big thing how about that wow so i mean listen if i could increase your monthly income by ten thousand dollars and i did that by saying i've got five things i want you to do each thing that i tell you to do is going to reduce your overhead by two percent so I'm going to give you five things to do. I'm going to, it's going to reduce your overhead by 10%. And now when you collect $100,000, if, you, if your office collects $100,000 a month, that 10% is $10,000 in your pocket a month extra on top of what you would have been doing. Just got to do these five things. Each one reduces your overhead by, two, by 2%. That's just a number. I'm throwing out some numbers that are, yeah. aren't real. But, but, the, but the principle is applicable to everybody right? In, in dentistry. It's that a 5% decrease in overhead doesn't sound like a lot. But it's insane. Yeah. It's, in, it, it's insane what that does to your financial freedom. If you have a million dollar practice, 5%, that's substantial. Right. I'm thinking about 1%. If, if I have something that can move the dial 1% or a, even a percentage of 1%, even half of 1%, I'm interested in that idea because that compounds over a year and 10 years and 20 years. And that puts a lot more money. It's the small things you do, right? It's just like working out. If you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get uh, muscles. You got it's the small things you do daily that make a difference in the final product over a long period of time. Yeah, and the reverse too. It's the small things that you don't that you put in your mouth that's going to make you fat. I mean, they say, golly, right. if you gain five pounds this year and then the next year and then the next year, five years. You know, five years goes by fast. And all of a sudden, you got twenty five more pounds, and you're like, when did this happen? You're like, slowly. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a perfect analogy to the dental to the dental, dental aspect. But comfort dental is. I mean, where I think we are super helpful is helping new grad. I mean, helping new graduates make money. That's a. I mean, it's a. Pro- you can't survive on a hundred thousand dollar income if you're a dentist. Can't survive. Right. Can't do it. You got. You. You know. You. You probably have. It depends on what you do when you get out. But if you have your student debt and you want to buy a practice and you want to buy a home, you got two cars, you got a family, you got kids. Student loans. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you can be a million dollars in debt to get all these things, right? Yeah. And, how do you, and, and do you know how to manage that? Because dental school doesn't teach you how to manage that. How, do you, how are you managing that? And what helps a lot is if you're cranking out some, you know, you're, you're making money the way a dentist should be, 
should be able to make money. Or what is another way that you've seen that you can cut your expenses? So one thing is having extended hours. Extended hours? Uh, you know, rent. Yeah, so Comfort Dental is open from 7.30 in the morning to 7.30 at night. And they were open Saturdays wow. as well. So I always tell uh, my staff and my partners, this is when I steal everybody else's patience. And it sounds, sounds kind of like a jerk thing to say. But everyone's closed. Where are people going to go? So they're going to come to us. Now, the reason why that affects overhead is that um, the more hours of production that you are able to put in, uh, the more money you can collect in a month. Technically, right? yeah. So immediately, if you're, if you're a dentist who has three, a three-day-a-week practice or a four-day-a-week practice, and you're a solo doc, you're by yourself, that's, that's difficult to, to extend your hours. No one wants to do that. But Comfort Dental has a partnership program where, you know, I have a partner. So we're open 66 hours a week. But I, I go to work from 7.30 in the morning till 1.30 in the afternoon, and I'm done. And my partner takes over from 1.30 till 7.30 at night, and then she's done. And so we just swap six-hour shifts every day. And now I work 30 hours one week and 36 hours the next week. That's just with two partners. Once you get three partners in there, which our offices can usually support four, four docs working, uh, it becomes, you know, you work uh, anywhere from 24 to 36 hours a week. And, but the office is always cranking. So when I'm at, that's the big thing is that you run away from your overhead by collecting more money. Well, how do you collect more money? You have more hours. If you have more hours, you're doing more business. If you're doing more business, your overhead goes down. That's just a simple way math works. So there's, you can cut expenses, but you can also collect more money. And that's a very easy thing to do. If you were to, you're out of school, you're probably not going to be able to get a franchise just from the, the fees and everything, the, the way you, know, you have to pay for all this stuff. So, because like my question was, if you're by yourself, how do you stay open that long? Or you always have to have somebody else in there. So when you buy a franchise, you have to have a second doctor no matter what? It's ideal. Because I ask the same question when I, I have a lot of colleagues that are solo docs. And when they go on vacation, they close their office for a week. Man, get a feeling at least. Right. So if you have to close your office for a week, a lot of docs just simply don't go on vacation. Mm-hmm. That's tough. It's tough to never take a break. Right? I think breaks are... You, I think you should work hard and play hard. I think you should do both. I think that's a very healthy balance for people. So when they um, when they work in an environment that they put themselves into, which is a solo doc practice, and they don't have any time, they haven't built time in for themselves. I think they'll suffer personally. I think that'll they'll reap those uh, consequences in their business as well. Comfort Dental finances new graduates, so we have relationships with banks. Oh. That guarantee financing. Comfort Dental has a 0% default rate in 35 years. Wow. So banks, banks love us. We've never defaulted on a loan, not even once. So when a Comfort Dental doctor comes in there, they know our, our track record and they and they and uh, we can finance anybody. Anybody can get financing as long as they're com- – basically we vouch for everybody and our track record is so stellar that uh, we don't have a problem financing anybody. So people can come in and they can buy a uh, – also our, our franchises aren't – expensive as far as like it's uh you know there are no million dollar comfort dental franchises okay it doesn't cost that much money the highest i've heard is like maybe six hundred thousand dollars but most are between 350 uh, some even lower as i've heard as low as 275 uh two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to half a million but you're buying into practices that are two million dollar practices and you're buying a portion of that and you're and you have access to all the numbers you can see you know profit and losses and 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 stats and all the stats you want to see and you can compare that to other offices and comfort dental offices so not they're not really starting from scratch either like you might say hey i want to live in your vancouver area and then you pay a fee to get into your clinic type of situation versus starting from scratch yeah and usually i'll start someone off as an associate i'll, I'll start someone off on, on the month to month 
employee contract where they work for me for three months, maybe six months, some, some period of time until everybody feels comfortable going forward. But we don't do lifetime associates. We are looking for partners, people who want to be financially invested in the practice. And with our model, you make double the money, sometimes triple the money when you partner up. So it makes a lot of sense to do that. So if you came to work for me, for example, and I was paying you, let's say $10,000 a month, and you looked at the numbers at the end of the month, and I showed you, here's what you would have been making as a partner, and it's $25,000 a month. How many months are you going to hold your feet in the, you know, how many months are you going to be able to see those numbers and be okay with being an associate? How many months are you going to be able to look at those numbers and say, I want to keep on associating, please. Please right. take more of my money. You could see the difference. The franchise fee that I got to finance is still higher. I still make more money even with this several thousand dollar payment a month. Yeah. So you're going to have a payment that's, that's you know, three to five thousand bucks a month. But you're going to be making, you know, if I can show you with numbers and prove it to you that you're going to be making ten thousand dollars more a month or fifteen thousand dollars. And plus, once you buy the practice, you have equity. You're building. It's like renting versus owning. You know, every time you every time you pay a rent payment, that's money out the window. Yeah, you're never going to get that back. But when I make my mortgage payment, I'm going to get a portion of that back. Can they transfer to, could you ever transfer to a different state or you'd have to like start over? Yeah, I started in Colorado. I started in Pueblo. There was an opportunity to come to Washington, which I, I, I love the Pacific Northwest. So and my family does too. So when we had the opportunity to come to Washington and open some practices here, uh, I jumped at the chance, sold my practice and I bought a, I bought a practice I spent $350,000 on a practice with zero patients. Whoa. That's what I did. Wow. So that sounds, I left a thriving practice and I bought one with zero patients. But I believe in the model so much that it never even occurred to me that it wasn't going to work out. It was just a, there was never a fear. There was never a doubt. It's the model works so well for people who want to, you know, it, it, for people who want to follow it, it's, it works really well to start cranking and patients come and you start building word of mouth and people like what you're doing and it's a little different than most dental practices. We kind of already talked about a few reasons. There's, there's some more things that make it kind of unique. But it's uh, very personable because, you know, I'm not an employee. I You own this thing. I want this patient to be my patient forever. And patient acquisition is kind of the most important thing. This interview has definitely taken a turn where I wasn't expecting it at all. Yeah, sorry about no, that. No, no, this sometimes. is great because, I mean, <laughs> hopefully, you know, everybody else is like, well, this is turning into a sales pitch for Comfort Dental. It's like, well, I hope they don't see it that way. And I hope they see it as take what was said and how can I turn that into something for myself? Yeah, all, all the aspects of Comfort Dental and their business model, I think it's important. You know, it's a successful business model. Yeah. I don't care if you have a successful business model selling apples on the side of the road. I want to know about it. I want to know what makes people successful. I want to know why they're doing so well in a field where other people might struggle. What's the difference? And how can you take that to your own profession and apply that? So I do, I do get why it sounds like a sales pitch for, for Comfort Dental, but um, uh, there's enough websites and, and other places that do that. I'm, I'm, a lay, I'm a lay member of Comfort Dental. I'm not a, I'm just a average <laughs> franchise owning doctor. I'm not even uh, the top there's, 10%. <laughs> there's hundreds of me in, in the organization. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't get anything if someone goes to Comfort Dental and goes and, and buys a franchise in, in, in Denver, Colorado. I'm enjoying the interview because it's, we haven't really had this aspect of, you know, talking about money and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's not about the money. We're just like, how can you, you got to make money. So, you know, how do, can you cut expenses? Yeah. And also, you know, you can't do charity. A lot of people don't do charity until they feel financially comfortable. So that's another part of the charity aspect that I do, doing these um, 
Because when I first started doing it, I was doing it out of my own pocket. I've got labs and dental supply companies that are giving me materials out there on board with what I'm doing. And that's super awesome. But the truth is, when I first started, you know, it would cost me a couple grand to take care of someone's mouth. And I just did it. And uh, so it was money well spent for me. And I felt like, but again, every time they just come back with their friends and their family. And now I get these patient acquisitions that are, that are lifers. I mean, they're mine forever uh, because of what I've done. And it's just, I just encourage people in any profession they are or whatever talents or skills you have to give those to people. Don't, you don't always need to charge money for your skills and your talents. You, you should, if you're good at what you do, but once you have money, once you feel comfortable in what you do, find ways to give back. Cause that's going to be the true fulfillment. Once you have truckloads of money, uh, another truckload of money is not going to make you feel good. Uh, but taking someone and making their life better because they met you because they know you, their life is better. That's a, that's a feel, and that's a legacy that you're leaving behind. That's a, people will be able to talk about you around town. You're going to have a reputation around town in a good way. And that's the best, that's the best reputation to have is someone who, who cares about other people. Well, let's switch gears, uh, before we run out of time with you, we like to cover a little personal on the show. We kind of hit the vacation stuff a little bit. You know, you having, I assume this, you have associates, you have uh, employees or whatever. So when you take off, you have somebody filling in for you. Yeah, I have partners, most, mostly partners. I do, there, we do have one associate who's working in one of our practices right now. But like I said, it's a trial period to transition to a partnership. But right now I have one, the one practice I'm working in full time. I have one uh, equal partner, 50-50. And, um, we have a very specific, I mean, that's a whole other podcast to get into our partnership model. How we pay ourselves is, uh, is very unique, even as far as dental partnerships go, but she works for me when I'm gone and I work for her when she's gone. So if I want to take a week off, I talk to her, I say, are you willing to work a week nonstop for me? And you get a week off later. And she says, sure. And then we have other, we have one other office. We have two offices in our Vancouver area. We actually all help each other. So I go, I'll go work in the office that I'm not full time in and they'll come work in my office so we can split that time pretty evenly because 66 hours a week is a lot to cover for one person. Even if they get a week off the next week, they get a week off. It still is. It's a rough week to do, to go 66 hours. And especially in dentistry, dentistry is surprisingly to most people hard on the body. Yeah. You guys get the, the shoulder pain and the neck pain and the thoracic outlet syndrome and the carpal tunnel stuff. Yeah. And you got to come see the chiropractor. I mean, all that stuff that you're saying, yeah. all that stuff you're saying sounds like it applies to me. Yeah, absolutely. See? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what we need to do. Chiropractors and physical therapists You need to go find yourself some dentist and court them. That's what you need. Right. But but no, to your to your point, I mean, the time off, what Comfort Dental does is that when I'm not in my practice. So I'm not in my practice right now, but my practice is open and my practice is making money and I'm not there. So a wonderful. thing. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. And why people go solo. I, I, I wish more people would partner up. There'd be less dentists, uh, less practices out there, less people. Str- I think those are people that, sh- that struggle, in my opinion, in my experience, anyways, the, the dentists that I've known personally that have struggled and come out of school struggling, and they're trying to go it alone. And that's a, that's a lonely, lonely road, man. That's lonely. Good to hear. Here's our last couple of questions here. Spouse, significant other, a lot of dentists, a lot of doctors in general. We get all this money and then we lose our family through a divorce because their priorities are all jacked up. What's, what's a good way to keep the love alive and feel connected? Oh, man. This is, I don't know if this is my area of expertise. Uh, I've, I've been married for 13 years 
I have four children that I legitimately, legitimately like to be around, love to be around. So it's easy for me to ditch out of work and come home and hang out and put in some time at home. I think that's, that's, that's crucial. I'll tell you one thing. One, one of the things I did was moved to the Pacific Northwest because my wife was not happy in Colorado. Hmm. And that was a big indicator, you know, to, to leave a thriving practice. Everything was going great with that practice. You're supposed to love Colorado. I was there too. Like we're not supposed to ever want to leave. Colorado is a close second choice for me. Um, the Pacific Northwest beats it out by just a little bit. But Colorado, if I, if I wasn't going to live in the Pacific Northwest, Colorado would be the next place I'd go. My wife didn't like the snow and the cold weather. So you get sub-zero temperatures in Colorado in the winter. You don't get that in Vancouver, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington. Especially where y'all were at. Yeah. So we get, we get some rain, but we don't get, you know, frostbite. Uh, <laughs> and that, 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 that's the trade-off. Yeah. So, I, you know, you got to be able to... You got to be able to have things that you do together and, and that you prioritize those things. And uh, I try hard not to bring my work home with me. And, and, I, and I, then, I, then I come home and I try to help out around the house and do child duties and, and cleaning duties and just understanding that there's, uh, there's a, you know, when I work a six-hour shift, my wife is working a six-hour shift too. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to say whose job is harder. I think it depends on the day. But for kids is a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, as much as I might come home from, from work saying, well, my heart, my, you can't possibly understand how hard my day was. It's very easy for me to say that to my wife. It's also easy for her to say that to me because I can't possibly understand how hard her day was. So I don't know if I'm an expert, but I'd say the more you're together helping out as equally as possible, well, I, I, that's the best I can do for you. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Hey, what's this playlist? What is this? What kind of all what genres? Band. What all, genre is this? It's all the genres, man. We do it all. So I play guitar in a in a cover band with a bunch of other uh, uh, old people. Uh, uh, you know, upper thirties uh, is is. I feel like we're all getting old. I graduated in, in 04 and you graduated. No, I graduated in 07. You said 09. Well, I graduated dental school in 09. I graduated high school in 99. Yeah, I'm a 2000. So yeah, we're pretty much the exact same probably genre of music that we're like. Please be playing this song. <laughs> So the, the funnest thing is to argue with the band about what, what song we're going to do next. I, I'm, a, I'm a classic rock guy. I love classic rock. And, and then we do, but we do lots of cool stuff where we do our own, like, our own takes on, like, very poppy type music. Like, we do some Lady Gaga uh -huh. stuff, but we rock it out. But we rock it out. Uh, we do Bruno Mars. We do Justin Timberlake type stuff. We do some rap. Um, That's fun. And then we do, like, you know, uh, I would call them bar. 90s music? Oh yeah, we're big into nice, uh, Weezer and Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two. Okay, good. Uh, uh, yeah, we 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 love some all genres of music. <laughs> uh, we don't cover any Bush songs. <laughs> come on, man, where's your glycerine at? <laughs> yeah, it's come up for sure. <sighs> uh, so we've got six six members of our band. We have a, a lead singer who's a female, and we have a lead singer who's a male. So we have two lead singers, and just to get six people, six people have six different ideas of what we should cover next and so it's it can be difficult to choose what songs we do but it's a, it's a hodgepodge we don't do we're not a tribute band to one band we're a hodgepodge of different things but we're very bar friendly so you go to a bar and you want to hear classics like sweet child of mine or sweet home alabama crazy train we do we do all those see that's fun <laughs> that's the one thing i do miss about being in china like there is no where i'm at at least there's no cover bands. And even if they would, it'd be like songs that I don't know. But, well, that sounds fun. I like those types of bands. 
we get we get bars that let us play a Friday or a Saturday night once a month. So we go out and we we live we live gig uh, once a month. Practice once a week at my little studio in my house here. And uh, man, it's uh, that's like a bucket list thing for me. I've always wanted to be in a band since I was like 13 years old and started playing guitar. So as soon as I could find other people who who share my love, we get together and and make sweet music. I I was listening to a guy in Colorado. It was a patient or something. He goes, you know. Uh, I make six figures in a band. I was like, okay, it's great. He goes, no, like I'm a cover band. He's like, I play weddings. We do corporate events. He goes, yeah. He's like, you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year just playing on the weekends. You don't have to be the next Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was like, that is kind of crazy. Yeah, we don't we don't make that much money, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's just to say that you could actually go that route. As a normal person, I, I think def- definitely weddings are big events. You know, they pay three to five thousand bucks. A lot of people pay three thousand, five thousand dollars for a wedding band. Yeah, to come play for three hours. Sounds so, like fun. I wish I could play. Yeah, <laughs> corporate events pay a lot more than that. I think so. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of money to be made in that in that industry. Yep. Last question: uh, Any favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that we need to check out? And then, of course, what is your information so that we can reach out if we need to? Uh, yeah. Well. D- Check out Drilled if you don't if you don't mind. Drilled's fun. What's that website? Um, uh, drilled. It's drilledpod.com, uh, but you can download Drilled Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or all the areas where podcasts are found. Uh, follow me on Drilled Podcast at Instagram. I post a lot of funny memes, and then all of our charity stuff is kind of announced there. We have a YouTube channel, which is kind of cool. Um, some of my Guests come on and we get them high on nitrous oxide and clean their teeth. A lot of the com- a lot of the comedians we do this with them. That'd be great. You can look at those videos on YouTube. We have a drilled podcast YouTube channel. Those are hilarious. You you'll like those. Um, and then all the charity stuff gets put on YouTube as well. All right. Whew, Dr. Smith, man, that was great. A lot of good information. I really appreciate that your time and just being able to be open about all these these different avenues of practice and life. And uh, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly and financial. And then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no needle acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style. So if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, Pure VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on 
how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the Prolone diet, fast mimicking diet, five-day plan. Let me know, as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.